Welcome to Heads Up Hockey. It is all things hockey talk and all things centric around the game. And it's also New Jersey Devils talk as well. And please enjoy the show. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Heads Up Hockey Podcast with your host, Jersey Joe, and your co-host, Jake Wakely. And how about it, people? There's a lot of interesting things going on. This is day one of the play and round and lots of great things to talk about. And, Jake, we got 30, 35 minutes to explain everything. Yeah, I think uh, I think so far today, I think um, I think the playoffs have been actually it's been it's been better than I think you know you and I and a lot of like NHL fans have expected. I think the intensity's been a little bit more. I think it was lacking a little bit from uh, from an intensity standpoint from you know the Rangers uh, Carolina game. And then I don't think the intensity was that great in the Chicago-Edmonton uh, game as it was a little one-sided. But I think here tonight, as you're seeing here with the Pittsburgh-Montreal game, the intensity is picked right up, and it's a fast-level pace game of hockey, which is what all us fans and fans around the world want to see. And well, and as we speak here, we got 303 on the clock in the third, and Connor Sheary's taking a penalty shot in on Carey Price, and he missed the net. So it's Ooh. 2-2 here with about three minutes to go, Ooh. which could change the momentum huge here as, you know, Devils fans around the world need to uh, root for Montreal here because that, as you know, plays a potential impact on uh, their Arizona selection if it's in the 9 to 11 range. Yeah, well, I actually had a friend of mine who called me. He's a friend of mine from work, and he asked me about um, the whole, you know, pick situation, and I just wanted to get that out there where, you know, if you are rooting for a team, you want Vancouver to win the play-in round to get to the playoffs. So you get that guaranteed Vancouver pick. Um, and the other one is the Arizona situation. So you want – well, theoretically, you want them to lose, but technically I'd rather have them win that series so that way they are exempt from, you know, the phase two draft line where everyone has the same odds. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm more in the boat where – um, the top 10 or top 11 or 15, whatever you want to call it here in the draft is, uh, it's the, it's loaded. So, I mean, I'm, I'm more in the boat where you're a rebuilding team. This is the year, this draft is better than next year's draft. And I think for the Devils, I think if they can get two top 10 picks, then I think that sort of helps them in their rebuild, whether it's securing a forward and a defenseman, two forwards, two defensemen, or, you know, a defenseman and a goalie or a forward and a goalie. And I think having the three first-round picks this year can go a long way for them in their rebuild and what they're trying to build. But they have to hit on at least two of their three picks. But I think, I think you want 
you want Vancouver to win, but at the same time, the Vancouver one, the Vancouver one, I don't care so much about because they they're a hit and miss team. Like they could be good this year and then next year, depending on what who they keep and who they lose, they might not be that good next year, and they have no say where the unprotected pick goes. But at the same time, if New Jersey gets the unprotected pick then they have a trade asset, and, you know, those aren't so bad to have either. So, in reality, an unprotected first next year with Arizona and Vancouver or get their picks this year, I think either way, Devils fans should be happy as that way New Jersey either way is in a win-win situation. They can't lose in the situation. Well, for us, when we talk about assets like that, that's ammo when it comes to not just drafting, but, you know, trying to – shop certain picks around but um our other uh friend podcast uh the let's go devils podcast they've been saying you know keep all three picks i i agree with them on that um if we do get the worst case scenario where we just get the one pick um but you do have the possibility of uh carolina's fourth coming to new jersey if sammy vatnan does play um, 70% of those games, and, and if they think, do advance. I, I think, if, yeah, if he plays two games, if he plays two games, to clarify for anybody that still doesn't know, if Sammy Vatnin plays two games in this series against the Rangers, two or more games, then the Devils get a fourth. If he plays 70% of the games in the playoffs, then the Devils get Carolina's third-round pick this year. All right, so I'm just going to revise. Elliot Free- I, I took this from Elliot Friedman, so take this with a grain of salt. If Carolina beats New York Rangers and Vatnin plays in 70% of the Hurricanes playoff games, this, this is an excerpt. Uh, this does not include the play-in round. Uh, New Jersey gets Carolina's third round this year if he plays in less than 70% of – Carolina's playoff games, then it depends on if Vatanen appears twice against the New York Rangers, which you were correct. Um, it says if yes and Carolina wins the series, New Jersey gets Carolina's fourth this year. If yes and New York Rangers wins, Hurricanes get the choice of a fourth this year or next year. Um, the, the last tweet he put out um, if he doesn't play twice against the New York Rangers, there's no pick going to New Jersey. Easy. So it's, it's pretty straightforward if you ask me. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, I think it's just confusing for some people on a certain level. I apologize for here for not if I don't answer uh, right away. I'm sitting outside and uh, my uh, pipe here that I got my stand-up air conditioner hooked up to is keeps falling out from the tape from the tube. So I'm trying to get it back in the end of the, the slot. So I apologize for anything <laughs> on my end. So you're trying to fix things up while you're you're doing this too. So that's the. That's 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 a really good way of keeping yourself busy. Yeah, so I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you sort of talk about 
talk here for a couple minutes and I'm going to run inside here and grab some stuff to quickly fix this up and then I can get back on topic for what we were planning on discussing. Okay, so um, I'm looking at the NHLEntryDraft.com. Um, this is by Futures Considerations, everyone. This is a wonderful mock draft. Uh, it's very interesting. You can simulate and you can see who you want to pick. You can be one through 31 teams. Uh, I mostly choose to pick as the Devils and... In the simulation that um, I have done, um, Arizona goes from 11th overall from the Devils conditional pick to jumping to get Alexi Lafreniere. Um, in that case, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, he's a great player. Uh, he's going to be the best in this draft class. Um, number two, uh, they have L.A. picking... Uh, the Mannheim uh, forward, uh, Tim Stutzler, he's a left winger. He's very electric. Um, I think he's one of the best uh, multi-talented uh, players in this year's draft. Very dynamic player. May not be, you know, Jack Hughes electric, but this guy does have a form of dynamics. Um, the third... Overall is Quinton Byfield to Ottawa. And the Sudbury Wolf uh, center to me is probably the best um, overall young player in this year's draft. Uh, besides Lucas Raymond. And Lucas Raymond, the Swede, um, is a really great left winger. Probably one of the best wingers in, in this NHL draft. And he could possibly be if not the one of the best left wings, but also the best right wing. Um, he has a lot of time on his side as a young player in SHL to grow. And if the Devils do get him at seven, I'll be very happy. Um, at five, the Ottawa Senators choose to pick uh, Jamie Drysdale in this mock simulation. And he's one of the best, if not the best, uh, defenseman in this year's draft, but there, but there's a lot more better defensemen in the next year in 2021. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks pick uh, Anton Lundell uh, sixth overall, and I do like him a lot. He plays the small uh, things very importantly, and he plays it as a well thought out game. Nothing flashy, but he's a very good pick. Um, and the Devils pick seventh, and I actually chose Alexander Holtz. I could have picked Marco Rossi, uh, but the thing is, the Devils need a sniper and a finisher, and to me, he's one of those guys you don't have to rush because of his contract for at least one or two more years. Um, that's been known publicly. Uh, Rossi, I've said on other Devils podcasts that Rossi is the Austrian forward that uh, plays similar to Nico Heischer uh, in his grit and smarts. And his hands are very similar to uh, Matthew Barzal with the way he dangles the puck around. And he's just very hard to catch. Um, so you have Alexander Holtz going to the Devils. Yep. 
Um, ahead of Lucas Raymond and Marco Rossi, or no? No, no, no. Uh, so at six is Anton Lindell. Uh, five is Drysdale. Okay, and you have four. Lucas Raymond. Okay, so you have the doubles taking Alexander Holtz ahead of Marco Rossi. Yeah, I mean the Devils need a sniper. Um, they need a finisher. Rossi, you you could go either way. I tend to like Alexander Holtz more long term. I believe the Devils have a lot of centers. Yeah, I I think I don't I don't think I don't think either pick would be a, is honestly a bad pick. I, I I don't I don't think you can go wrong in the situation. I think if you have you add a guy like Holtz, you're adding a sniper that can play next to Jack Hughes for the next ten plus years or Nico Heischer for the next ten plus years. But then if you add Marco Rossi, you know, you're getting a playmaking center who can hit, you know, the fifty to seventy points or more, and then you're having Heacher, Hughes, Rossi down the middle for the next, you know, 10-plus years or however many years as long as you can afford to keep them all. And if you look back at, you know, when, when Pittsburgh won their Stanley Cup in 09 and they went to the finals in 08, they had Crosby, Malk, and Stahl down the middle, and then they built around those three, right? So I don't, yeah, and then- I don't think that either way, I think either way, adding either player adds the Devils a uh, – a dynamic forward, whether it's a sniper or a sniper and a playmaker, they get if they add Marco Rossi, they're adding a, like a Nicholas Backstrom type superstar center with that capability, um, playmaking abilities, and then they have that one-two-three punch down the middle, and then they can decide, you know, by adding Rossi, they can because I I think of anybody besides Lafreniere and Byfield and maybe Stutzel. I think Marco Rossi's probably the most NHL ready out of any of the prospects in the top ten besides those two or three guys. And I think I could see him stepping into the NHL next season. Whereas, you know, Alexander Holtz and Lucas Raymond, they have to go back to Sweden next year. But I think, yeah, in either way, they're adding a right winger who the Devils, they don't have a lot of depth at right winger in their system. So, I mean... And or and for that, on top of that, a sniping uh, forward that can, besides you know Nolan Foot, and then if they draft the Marco Rossi, it opens the door to you know potentially moving Jesper Bokvist to the wing, or they can use him in a trade as an asset, right? So I mean, there's a lot of scenarios that you know Tom Fitzgerald and Dan McKinnon and his upper management staff can look at if whether they take if they take Rossi, and then if they take Holtz. There's your replacement for the next, you know, 10-plus years to Kyle Palmieri if, you know, you decide to trade him or if he doesn't some for some reason doesn't re-sign and whatnot. And then you have another player, the other picks, you know, as you get to end of later in your mock draft where you could take a Seth Jarvis or a, a defenseman or something like that, right? But, you know, I'll let you continue with your mock draft and then I'll kind, so, of, give my, I'll kind of give my analysis on each pick as you go. All right, so I already mentioned Rossi. So another guy we mentioned before um, is Cole Perfetti. Um, he is ranked ninth overall. 
and he does go to uh, the Montreal Canadian. And I don't see him long term as a center, but I do see him as a left wing. And to me, he's such a smart, dynamic winger, and he just to me screams the probably most intelligent skater in this year's draft. Um, Yaroslav Askarov goes to the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, the the Neva St. Petersburg uh, goaltender to me is probably the best goaltender in years to come. I mean, the Devils should jump and take him 10th, but um, I think they have a lot of really good prospects at goal right now. But yeah, they I, could. I'm, not, I'm, gonna, I'm not, you know, I agree with like some of the points there, but I disagree with you on the uh, on the goaltending perspective. I don't think the Devils have very many good prospects in their system. I think outside of Mackenzie Blackwood, they got a lot of question marks in that. You know, like we all know Corey Schneider. He's older. You know, he's he is what he is. He's not bouncing back anymore. It's not going to happen. That ship has sailed. I don't think Jill Sen is as good as, yeah, he, you know, he started, I will give him credit. He played really, really well down the stretch for Binghamton, but I don't think that he's the backup guy going forward. And I think, I think New Jersey would honestly, and some people are probably going to disagree with me on this. I think the Devils would be smart to draft Askarov if given the opportunity at 10 or 9 or 11 if he's there. Because I think Chicago could go in a couple of different ways. They could add a forward because Taves and Kane aren't getting any younger. Or they could add a defenseman because Brent Seabrook is probably not coming back there. And Duncan Keith's not getting any younger on the back end. So, I mean, but they did that. Chicago does need a goaltender moving forward, especially if Corey Crawford doesn't come back. Which, I mean, it's hard to tell with them, right? Because Corey Crawford's been there his whole career, so... I wouldn't be surprised if Corey Crawford re-signed there. But, I mean, Chicago's a, they're a weird team. That's that's a tricky spot because you know Montreal's not going goaltender. I mean, they, yeah. could, they could, but I don't but think Van going but I him. Think Chicago, I think New Jersey, I think New Jersey at 10 is probably better off taking like a Seth Jarvis or a Jake Sanderson but or a Jack Quinn, but I wouldn't put it past Fitzy to draft a goaltender because sometimes you need pressure on a good goaltender and the Devils also like Mackenzie Blackwood was great down the stretch this year he finally turned his game around but he still hasn't really sort of proved himself he still has to prove himself consistently right like Mac has these games where he stands on his head and he steals game but then he goes and has two or three games where it's like Okay, well, that's not the guy we saw for the last, you know, two-week stretch or week-and-a-half stretch. But they're saying, like, Askarov is the best best goalie to come out of the draft since Carey Price and Andre Vasilevsky. Now, they don't say that about goaltenders very often in the draft. So, I mean, that for me as a, fa- as a fan and as a general manager, that would get me excited. That would, want me, that would make me want to consider highly drafting a goaltender with one of my three first round picks because I don't people say, Oh, well, we'll draft Askarov if he goes to 17. I don't see Askarov falling to 17. So if you're going to take him, you got to take him with your second, your second, uh, 
you know, first round selection, unless they surprisingly decide they want to take him at seven, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, so this is why it's so important that Arizona does not win the phase two if they lose. And you know what? It's funny that we're kind of torn on picks like that. Um, I'm absolutely in on getting a guy like a star because every time I watch a Carey Price play the net, he's making it a lot harder than it really is uh, and makes the game look so simple to just play. And it's not easy. It's a, you know goaltending very well, Jake. You know it's a, it's a mental mindset that you got to be sharp for. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's a focus level thing, man. Like if you don't, if you go into a game and you show up to the arena and you're like, oh hey, oh great, I gotta face, I gotta face McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog tonight, or I gotta face Crosby and Malkin. Oh man, well we're screwed. You're not you're not gonna play very well because you're going in thinking right off the bat, well, we're gonna stink and we're gonna lose. So your confidence level is shot. Your your job as a goaltender is to show up to the rink, get focused, go out, do your job, stop the puck, keep as keep to your team in it as best you can. And at the end of the day, try and give your team the best chance to win. Because as they say, the, the, the best penalty killer on the ice is the goaltender. And it, it is true. We, we've seen it over the years with Marty. And we've seen Mac Black starting to play the puck a little bit better. Yeah, and, and we saw with Carey Price there, what was it? He had, a, he had a stretch there from like 2010 or 2009 to about – 2015 or 2014, where he was the best goal. He was probably, he was arguably the best player in the NHL. I, I was, I always looked at, you know, fantasy hockey and, you know, anytime I could get a couple of back to back picks, I could always go for a star studded defenseman and I could go for a goaltender. And usually I would get like, Carey Price and maybe not Asa Lindell, but you know, just a normal, you know, really solid offensive defenseman. Sort of like, like, like a like a like a Brent Burns or a you know a Eric a Shea Weber or a Shea Weber or a PK Subban, you know, when he was in his prime. Yeah, that that was the kind of pick that I would make. And I just noticed through the fantasy hockey lens that those players that we know by name are starting to slowly fade and kind of change their careers and their and their playing style. So, I mean, just watching Carey Price right here, yeah, I know it's overtime, but he's making things look so much easier where his man in front of him blocks a shot. I wish that someone on the Devils earlier – in the season would t- would block more shots like that, and that reminds me of Volchenkov. Yeah, Volchenkov was probably the best at blocking shots that we've had in a long time. And the funny thing is, is um, you know, for with this game, 
like right now that's going on with Pittsburgh and Montreal. Montreal shouldn't even be in this hockey game after that first period that was going on. They shouldn't even be in the game, but they were outshot. I think it was 18-6 to after the first period, and they were winning 1-0. And the only reason they were in the game was because of number 31 in that. And he's held them in the game the whole time because Pittsburgh should have buried them a long time ago. Well, the thing is, the dog hasn't really buried the bone. It's still in the ground, and yet the game isn't determined because there's 18 minutes, 55 seconds left, and whoever scores next is the winner of the best of five. So that kind of sets the the tone. So we're we're stuck with what we have right now in front of us. Yeah, I think, and I think like. You know, we'll, we'll get into it here in a minute or so, I think. But uh, I think for um, – if I'm going to pick one upset in one series, I mean, this is it. If if, if there is a and it's and you, like you said, there's upside, I believe it's Montreal. And if anyone who's into betting, you know – this is definitely one of your favorite things to watch, but hockey's pretty hard to predict. And for anybody using betting or sports betting, use promo code social. Uh, sports bet MVP. And that's how you know that we are serious about playing the game right. And, you know, sports are back, but um, I do want to finish up on some of the players at 11 and 17. I kind of did a, a re-mock draft, a quick one. So, again, um, set at 7, it's actually Lucas Raymond that falls to the Devils. And it could have been Perfetti, it could have been Drysdale, it could have been Mercer. But Holtz went at 6. Um, I, was, I took Askarov at 11, by the way. So Okay. Yeah, I could, I could get on board with that. Yeah, because was, uh, Sanders was, was Sanderson still available when he took a scar off? Yes, yes, but do you think you could get Sanderson at seventeen? Which is why, yeah, I use I use Braden Schneider. Yeah, at seventeen, I don't think you could get uh, Sanderson at seventeen, but I think at seventeen you could get a you know a Caden Gooley or somebody like that. That that's why I I was thinking you know we were talking about earlier. You know, you want a forward, a goaltender, and a defenseman. The Devils can do a trifecta. And, you know, I had, I think it was Duncan or Ian from Devils in the Details, and they gave me a really good idea on Braden Schneider and said he he's more like a, uh, like a Ken Danico-type physical defenseman. So he likes to – and he plays the game a little bit more like Kevin Ball, like – Likes prevent the breakout. And so, to me, having a guy from the Brandon Reekings and Braden Schneider would fit the bill at a six two, 202-pound defenseman. Yeah, yeah. I think Braden Schneider would be an excellent pickup for the Devils. I mean, either way, the Devils, need, they need depth. They need depth in their system at any position, so at every position, so... I don't really think any pick they make is a bad one unless they go, you know, completely off the board. 
it it would have to be like a more insider pick or a yes very cut from Niemi to really be like whoa. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna Niemi one. I still <laughs> funny. I'm glad you brought that up because with Montreal on right now playing Pittsburgh. I still don't like that choice for Montreal three. I don't like Cockney Emmy skating. I would have preferred Philip Zadina though. Yeah, still. I mean, if they were smart, they would have took Zadina. Actually, <laughs> well, looking back on it, they would have been smart if they took Quinn Hughes. They could have gone for Quinn Hughes, but you know, he did go the college route, which really helped them. Um, I do think that's going to be one of the things about Jake Sanderson is. Do you think he has the mindset to be on your team? You know, hopefully he does. Um, but I do want to talk about on the managerial side when it comes to building a team is that um, Joshua Harris, the Devils uh, majority owner, was mentioned in a recent article by Greg Wyshynski where he approached John Chaka recently and Cheka had an interview, and it appeared that the source revealed that um, the Devils were the team. And Cheka put it, turned in his contract to uh, Arizona Coyotes owner uh, Morello uh, to basically say goodbye. Um, I wanted to get your hands on this one. What's that, John Cheka with the uh, Devils? Yeah, it, it it seems ongoing because um, per Chris Wassel, um, it's it's going forward to Gary Bettman through all the the legal stuff. See, the thing I'm still confused a little by it because like I don't know like where did the Devils want Chica to come in to be were they in, did they want him to be the general manager or did they want him to be like the president of hockey operations or is he coming in to, you know, oversee, you know, one of the other franchises that uh, Josh Harris and David Blitzer own? Like, there's there's so many um, X's and O's that I, that still haven't been answered for me on, on that whole situation. Like, did they want him to come in and be the president of Hockey Ops and then there was Fitzgerald just like a short-term, short-term thing? I well, here's the thing. You know, the Devils lost their hockey ops guy early in the year, if not over the last summer. And Marty Berdur has been doing all that work um, on the business side and trying to do the hockey ops a little bit. And I believe that what they're trying to do is work out the the contract from Arizona with Bettman and try and get him to be the president of hockey ops. If there is a way, um, remember, we're not legal guys, so this is all, like, you know, speculation for us. This is the fun of it. Um, if he is the guy that's in hockey ops, I think over time he will replace Dan McKinnon as an assistant GM after three more seasons. Um, if the contract has to be obeyed with Arizona, and he could be p- paid – a lot more than he is in Arizona. So take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I mean, either way, 
I think adding a John Chica to your staff, I mean, I think that goes a long way. Because we saw... And, and we saw Ray Shearer got ousted uh, by... It was mostly influenced by the analytics staff, but also it had to do with ticket sales. Yeah, and we saw what it could do in... Uh, what Chaika did with Arizona, how quickly he really rebuilt that organization, right? Yes, he picked uh, uh, Jacob Chickman, and I actually like that pick that for for them and, and I remember, resigning. I, re- I remember when Chaika selected Barrett Hayden fifth overall, and uh, everybody was going what? But you saw Barrett Hayden on last year, this past December in the World Juniors. He was one of Canada's best players. So, I mean, so, like, fans got to realize of NHL teams, these guys aren't, you know, they're not. You know, they're not nobody. off the street, right? Like, they know what they're doing. Exactly. And, and Hockey Canada is, if not the best organization that knows how to scout their major juniors and their uh, their their minor, um, what was it? Their their midgets and all that stuff. I'm trying to remember all this stuff. It's been such a long time. But you, you get the point, though, is that they know how to uh, is to assess the right youth. And it seems like that Paris wants to add a, a mind like him towards Tommy Fitzgerald's staff and maybe long-term have him become someone that can really uh, succeed. McKinnon, maybe if Fitzgerald, you know, doesn't work out for a reason, you got a good insurance plan. So I don't mean to cut you off here, Joe, but I just want to update anybody listening. The Montreal Canadiens' Jonathan Drouin has been awarded a penalty shot with 13-14 to go in overtime here. So... Montreal's got a chance to end this here right now. Both teams really blew their penalty shots tonight. <laughs> well, Montreal's about to take theirs in overtime here, so I'll just give Drew Ans comes in. He cuts to the right, cuts back into the slot, stick handles, and he lost the puck and fanned on it. So we're still yeah, talking in overtime. He still looked better than a, a former devil that- shot big time in a shootout versus Buffalo. I mean, Kovalchuk. Yeah, well, that, you know, that guy, that guy there, that guy's, you know, he's a bit of a, a you know what. Yeah, we must not say it because... We don't know who's listening to, right? Yeah. Anyone else who's listening to know that we're not going to curse like the Cam is strict podcast. No offense, Cam. <laughs> yeah, we love Cam Jansen, but we're not. We don't. We keep. We speak our mind, but we don't speak our mind like you do, uh, Cam. No, oh, no, it's not like when he was talking about Wade Belak. No, and you know what? I mean, I'd I'd like to ha- I'd like to be on a podcast here. I'd like for you to get Cam Jansen on the podcast. And I'd like I'd like Cam to come on, and I'd like to be on for that episode, playing it for an evening at night and stuff when I'm home and stuff like that. 
and I'd like to be on there because I was at that game and I would love to get his input on that fight, let alone the fight against the Rangers, but more so that fight against Wade Belock because I was there and that was after that Thomas Caverley hit. So I'd like, uh, like to hear his thoughts on that one. I, I was watching a little thing on Instagram on his page um, where Jake McCabe pointed right at Cam and said, there he is. He, he's over there as if he was in some quarter. And, uh, and he goes from there. He was just describing it. I have to send you the link. It's, it's interesting and it's hilarious. Um, I just think it's, I think it's excellent content. <laughs> it's, I look forward to watching it too, but I mean, I also, I mean, I got a, I got a question, you know, I want to put a bit of a question on you. Um, the mo who, in your opinion, is the most underrated devil on the team's roster today that people don't give enough credit? Oof, oof, oof. Chester Bratt. He, I would one hundred percent agree with that. That was going to be my answer. You know what? I've seen him over the years where goes on stretch passes and he ca- he tries to cash in on you know the nice little breakaways. And I saw him against Pittsburgh on um, they had a Marty Bordor ceremony a few years after the retirement night. And I was sitting in the Eliash seats, and I saw him on a breakaway. Looked like he had a nice, beautiful breakaway goal, and it it was considered offsides. And I was like, "What?" But it, he looked he like he connected very well with Sammy Vatnin on power plays and stuff like that. And he just has this heads up hockey attitude, and. You can see why I named the podcast that way. <laughs> yeah, we also named our Heads Up Hockey podcast after our one and only favorite Devils defenseman, Scott Stevens. Keep your head up. You're next. You're That's next. right. <laughs> People still say that to this day. And, um, you know, for the rest of this you know, playing around and ooh, there was that Canadians got an end. That could have really been the game, but this, this game is actually pretty entertaining. The yeah, actually, it's been pretty, it's been pretty good. It's probably the best game I think today so far. And I didn't think that the Blackhawks were gonna come out of nowhere and just like surprise. The Edmonton Oilers, you'd think, you know, McDavid would score four goals. And uh, Cam Jam uh, was mentioning that if you're a new casual fan looking at the Orange team, look at that guy in 97 at Orange. Yeah, well, he's the best player in the world for a reason, him and uh, Crosby and Nathan McKinnon. So, but I mean, and I think, uh, which is good that Chicago won. That's what Devils fans, Devils fans need Chicago or Montreal or both of them to win the series. So, I mean, either way. So, I mean, I don't, 
we want Montreal to win, but that means I gotta listen to my buddies talk if the Habs <laughs> win. But I mean, I mean, they're, they're I mean, your I, I'm getting, my team's getting rewarded out of it, so I guess if, I wouldn't be that mad. No, you shouldn't be, Jake. I wouldn't. I mean, it's not like if I lived up in northern. And the Rangers did something positive. I would have to hear about it. It's just like, ugh. And like living down here in central New Jersey, yes, we are a central region of New Jersey. I hate the people that uh, are conspiracy theorists about that. But, anyways, that's for another subject. Now, going um, into that for just a sec. Is there a lot of Flyers fans in Central Jersey more than Ranger fans? No, if if you go further down, right by Tom's River, which is closer, it's lesser Monmouth County, greater Ocean County. You see that little like breakaway right there. If you have a TV signal where you don't get the MSG network. Um, you have a lot of the Philadelphia networks getting in, and that's why, along with you get a lot of Flyers, Eagles, 76ers fans in that part of the region. So usually when I draw a map, it's usually anywhere south of Tom's River and Brick Township. So, And Brick Township is where Jim Dowd is from. So... I actually see Jim every now and then. Jim, uh, but I'm sorry, I, Jim. Jim Dowd. Oh, Jersey Jim. The the real Jersey Jim. <laughs> the uh, not the not the other, but um, in Central Jersey, I see a lot more Devils fans down here than I do Flyers fans or Rangers fans. Ranger fans that come down during the summer are from usually the city or North Jersey that haven't learned to grow up into being Devils fans. And I know all about it because I've been down there a couple times, right? So I mean, there and there, there people. It's not that's the problem because Jersey's a state, but it's so close to Philadelphia and um, Brooklyn and New York City, so and, the fans are all scattered all over the place. Plus, jobs are are like, you know, Devils fans will also work in Philadelphia. They'll also work in the city. And, you know, it, and you will see, like, if I were to go to visit my sister in Brooklyn and I go to a Devils Islanders game, and I probably will have to go a little bit further than I usually do because the Islanders will be playing at the United Bank of Switzerland Arena or UBS Arena. Um, in Belmont, so I'd have to go a lot further eastward on the Long Island Railroad. But um, my sister lives close to uh, Barclay Center, not too far away. So uh, usually feels like a Devils home game when I'm there. It's like half, it's half empty, but half of the fans are Devils fans and half Islander fans. It's it's very weird. And you know what? It's weird for me to say because I've never been to Brooklyn to a game. But I can tell you, you know, I've seen the Devils. I saw John Hines' first NHL win against the Rangers, and that was, now this is going back a couple of years. That's when Lee Stepniak was playing for us. 
he scored the overtime winner. And I'm going to tell you, those Rangers you fans pick- trying to pick a fight with me and Eric after the game. <laughs> but you, but I, and I, you know what? I hate to say this as a Devils fan, but people always say, oh, Madison Square Garden, it's not, you know, it's, it's a dump. It's not the nice arena. Honestly, it's probably, yeah. besides, besides Prudential Center, I, I know Madison Garden invested. I've been to Ottawa and I've been to the Blue Toronto. Seats. Toronto's and, got a nice, and, hang on, Joe. Um, Toronto's got a nice arena. But Madison Square Garden is one of the nicest arenas I've actually been to. It's not as bad as people make it out to be. It is really nice in there. I would like to see, uh, what was it, not just the Bell Center, but I would like to see the ACC in Toronto. I've, I've always considered those options. I also like to think about Center in the but I'm, you know what else we forgot to mention was the Seattle Kraken at Climate Pledge Arena coming up in a year or two. And Seattle's not that far from Vancouver. What are your thoughts on the name of Seattle? See, I'm, I don't like, I don't like it at all. I mean, I mean, I shouldn't say that. I mean, it's not, it's okay. But I mean, their logo hasn't. Has an S on it, so I mean, look, I don't know why they didn't. They should have just called themselves the Seattle Serpents. Nah, well, okay, so I know this is via Wikipedia, but um, it says, although fictional and subject of myth, uh, the legend of the Kraken continues to the present day with numerous references existing in film, literature, television, and other pop culture topics. Um, it is more of like a sea serpent, like an, like a squid. And usually the root word comes from Norway. So it has to do with marine life. And if you look at the S, there's this little wave thing underneath. Oh, the Habs win. What's that? The Habs win three to two. Okay. Um, anyways, one of the things is in this 18th century, the Kraken have been depicted in a number of ways, primarily as large octopus like creatures. So that, that's kind of where they get that aqua life from, but the color scheme is great. But anyways, I do like uh, the jerseys. I'm not sure about you, Jake, but it's kind of like their version of the Jersey Devil in a way. Yeah. I, I don't mind it. I mean, I, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with teams and who they um, who they do protect and they don't protect. Now, who would you rather lose, Schneider or Subban of, of those two? Schneider. I'd rather protect Subban. Yeah, me too. He's worth a $9 million. I, I just believe he was mismanaged last season, 
until Nasruddin took over. And uh, I do, I do think he was mismanaged badly in the first half until that game versus the Islanders. Yeah, I, I agree. I think once Heinze left, it was uh, things started to open up for him. And you know, I've talked to my old man and a couple people who I've talked to that are kind of they have some sources around the NHL. But Devils fans are underestimating Lindy Ross. That's an excellent hire. I actually like Lindy Ruff. Um, you know. You you talk we talked about how Hines was good at you know with the rebuild. I just couldn't see him going forward and progressing the team into the progression direction. However, um, Lindy Ruff to me is the makes perfect sense, and he seems he's going to tap into his young players like a Jack Hughes. Uh, you're you're going to see Jesper Bratt and. Uh, Nico Heischer get even more development through, and it's going to be great long-term that within three, five years, the next coach could be Ricard Grunberg or someone totally different we don't know about. I think I think, I think Lindy Ruff's going to be here for the long term. I was hearing that, you know, at least three years. And I'm not sure how long he wants to be here, but he's more than welcome to stay as long as he keeps building the team forward and getting them to a wild card or even better playoff position. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I yeah. Lindy Ruff had a lot of success in Buffalo, but Lindy Ruff also had Dominic Hasek for a lot of years, and he also had a good team there. In like oh five oh six oh seven oh eight and oh nine, but then you know things started to fall apart in Buffalo, and you know the only hope Buffalo has right now is you know the Bills, which is <laughs> which is funny for me to say because usually that's never been the case. It's yeah, it's usually them and the, and of course. Uh, just losing my mind over some things like that. Just you, you just see that Buffalo's really been a bad hockey town lately with their ownership group. It just seems like they just fire people, fire, fire, fire. Yeah, I think that that's sort of been their process. But um, I got a question uh, before we, you know, we we, uh, we wrap this up. Um, a buddy of mine who's an Avalanche fan, uh, he asked me today, who would you rather? So you can pick one of these two players. Who would you rather for the Devils moving forward? Johnny Goudreau or Patrick Laine? I said Laine because he's younger. And he's a sniper, but I would understand if they went Goudreau instead. But what, what what do you think? I believe, honestly, if you're going with a local boy, you're going with Johnny Goudreau. I honestly, my, my gut says Goudreau because you want a guy who's 
from the area. He's close. He, he's closer to home. He won't go abroad and leave you high and dry. And even though he's from Salem, New Jersey, which is South Jersey, which is fire country, you know, his family would be more than happy to attend home games at the Prudential Center. And I could see a kid like him fitting in with Lindy Ruff and playing with the Devils forward group. But at the same time, I think Patrick Liney wants to get the heck out of Winnipeg because it's a small city. And fans are very rabid, and nothing against their fans. Just, I think from a player standpoint, Line A could get a lot of good money to come to a team like New Jersey, where they need a guy to take the pressure off Kyle Paul Harris. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I agree with that. So. My I'm leaning fifty one percent on a guy like on Johnny Goudreau for being the hometown guy and being, but I believe you, I actually have to change my mind on this one. How many times am I gonna do this? Patrick Liney's got more upside, so you can lean on him with the amount of time that the Devils will be ready within his prime. Absolutely. Because with just as the Devils are going into their stride, Line A will be hitting what? 25, 26, 27? Yeah, he's going to be in what they call the meat of the contract. Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, he's still a restricted free agent um, when, when he's up with his contract. You think? Do you honestly think they're going to trade him this, this offseason or – I got, you know, this, I got this funny feeling it's going to be Nikolai Ehlers. It, it, you know what? Ehlers is one of those really underrated wingers that he could easily play for a team like New Jersey. And, you know, him not being the most well-known forward, he could be like the big steal like a Marcus Johansson was, but younger and more electric. And he played in the Q of JHL, and, you know, Deco Heischer played in the Q. And there's a good connection there, and I could definitely see that working. Yeah, I could see that working as well. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's just – I mean, what do you think? Do you um, do you like the idea of hockey in August right now? I mean, I'm actually don't mind it. I actually, I actually love it. I mean, usually it, during a non-coronavirus, I'm usually traveling, you know, different places. But at the same time, you start to think to yourself, you know, what what are we doing after the free agent frenzy? You know, um, when are we going to go get ready for preseason camp? You know, stuff like that. I actually enjoy this. I don't really watch college football. You know, I do watch Rutgers now that Chiano's back, but this is great for hockey fans year-round to have a bridge. I'm not sure how you think, but this is better than watching baseball to me, honestly. Yeah, I I agree with that. I could fall asleep watching one inning. 
Oh, me too. What? Oh, baseball? Yeah. No, I can't. I can't fall asleep watching baseball, man. I, I, I can't do that. I used to be able to watch a ton of it, but I just, I'm one of those people nowadays. You, once you hit your thirties, you're like, is my attention span even long enough to do this? I'm so used to constant reaction. So like, but I, I still watch a college football game though. <laughs> but, um, I'd, but hockey always comes first. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's just hard to uh, not think about summer hockey though. It's just no. I know the puck bounce is funny, but it makes it even more interesting. I yeah, I I, I think so too. I just I think it's more fun for the fans too. But it just sucks, you know, for you know guys like you and I. Uh, we're so used to having the draft, you know, the second last week of June. And then free agency the next week, and then now we gotta wait till October for the draft, and like November first for free agency, and then we gotta wait till like December, January for the doubles again. So we gotta wait. Literally, we have August, September, October, November, December, January. We still got five or six months before we can watch our team play. Yeah, and then once we once we see the draft, we get to see what else occurs. Um, with players making the team and, you know, um, I know I'm getting a little bit off topic, but, you know, the CDC mentioned, you know, by the time in early 2021, you know, there could be vaccines approved and ready for uh, the general public. And this is good. This is a good sign um, on the public for fans like you and I, um, once, you know, you know, our countries get, you know, vaccines so people can go resume a new normal. So I, I said, even once I get a vaccine, I'm still going to wear a mask to a game. Um, it's just, for me, it's just precautionary. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you got a little one of your own, so it's it's also about um, all these precautionary measures you wouldn't thought of before. Yeah, exactly. And I have to think about my little one nowadays too, right? So she's your number one pick. That's right. And uh, speaking of number one picks, we should wrap up this episode as the uh, first of. Uh, the episode, this is going to be the first episode of season two. So to our listeners, this podcast is a, it's almost a year old, but um, because we're in the month of August, this is season two of heads up hockey, formerly known as the Jersey Joe corner. So, Jake, anything else on your mind before we wrap it up? No, buddy. I, th- I think we covered it all. All righty, then. Um, Till next time, we will be on the Raising Hell in Jersey podcast. And with that, I'm Jake Quakely, and that's Jersey Joe. And to all our listeners, have a great night, and let's go. Go Devils. Devils.